Who's coming in hot on the on your third spot? Here's what's great. Oh, here we go. It's going to... I, 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 let's no, see if I, Rich is on the same page. No, let Rich go okay, first. Okay, 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 spicy, okay, okay. We can go to it. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Oh, it's ruined it, because that's what I'm going to take. Uh, really? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Side Select Talk Show, where we discuss the relevant topics in esports. Today, we'll be going over um, some Overwatch League, some Counter-Strike, and uh, League of Legends. My name is Foxrop. I'll be your host. It's been a while, actually. I've been I see what you're doing that nowadays. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I've just been dipping. I'm just... Might be a regular thing soon. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, my lovely guests, who I love so much and are always really nice to me. We have Rich and Thorin. Now, it is tradition for me to ask you guys a food-related question as we start these episodes, just to get more of an insight on your character, because I do learn some interesting things, like Rich's times in the Swiss Alps and... Uh, French Alps. The French, French sorry. Alps, sorry. French, yes. the Sacre Alps. bleu, my goodness. <laughs> but I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball today. I'm actually really curious to know, uh, each, each of you guys, how, like... What was your coping mechanism for dealing with my absence? I'll let you go first. So I already have a theory that because Fox was put on the spot last time he was here by me by saying, I bet you can't think of that many more food-related things. And that's actually where he's been these past few weeks, just racking his brain around. And now he's just given a a cop-out one, which is how did we cope with his absence, which he self-manufactured. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's... it's, uh... It's That's a, great. A, you haven't answered the question there, Rich, mate. Uh, well, by by eating my normal healthy diet. And how's That's, that going for you? It's all right. I mean, right. without getting too much into it, it's not been a particularly ordinary last couple of months for me. So I've had to do things a little bit differently. But uh, yeah, you might have said that was all brought on by your absence as well. Who knows? Mm, there there just seems go. to be a direct correlation here that I can't yep. get over. So yeah. There you go. That makes a lot of sense. Thorin, what about you, mate? I'm actually lucky in the sense that, like, look, it doesn't help me not be fat, but I don't actually stress eat or seemingly use food as a coping mechanism at all. So in theory, I'm actually okay for that. Like, I, one, of the, one of the weird things I have in general, this doesn't sound like a random thing to throw in, but I'll throw it in there anyways. I don't seem to actually get any kind of, like, addictive element to any anything chemical-based, food, drugs, whatever. It never seems to have, like, an addictive component to me. It's more psychological things that addict me or entrance me, you know, so... They're on that normal time in general, man. Aside from that, though, you know, really what, missed you. What about? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what What about when if you have like okay, because this is like this is something I tell people all the time from my high horse of obviously peak fitness and health, which I'm just dishing out information like I'm an, an expert or whatever. But some something I do like <laughs> give as as advice if someone's like losing weight or whatever. So I don't have uh, snacks or like unhealthy things around the house. But at a minimum, if you're gonna do that have a very small amount of them. Like, don't buy, like, a tub of something because you'll just constantly go back to the trough, right? Like, Thorin, if you have, like, I don't know, if you bought a bag or, like, a, a large amount of something that wasn't particularly healthy, do you, in, even in that context, do you have the willpower to, like, you know it's there, but you're not going to be tempted to go back to it? Or do you kind of If get... you try to do what you say, like, for example, here's the thing. I'm totally honest with myself. If I'm going to, like, have a bunch of crap, I will just do it. But as but as a result, like you're saying, I'll buy it that day. Like, I'll buy it, like, I'm going to do it tonight, so fuck it. Buy this thing, this thing. I agree with you. As a principle, I think that's definitely true. Like, the more it is around, the more it's, it's like, within your headscape that you could go and try that thing or take more, or, as you say, just double up the portion in it. And another good tip, by the way, for, for anyone <laughs> who wants to kind of, yeah, get help, unhealthy shit or more out there 
try and like if you do like one of these people who does like a food shop like you go and shop twice a week or once a week or whatever try and go whenever you're not hungry and mm. i guarantee you'll buy like way more sensibly and way more healthily if you go when you're hungry and you're wanting to eat now you're literally just going to fill your basket with all the things that you'd really fancy to eat now versus what you know to be good for yourself so that is a, another another freebie don't go food shopping when you're hungry don't swipe on tinder when you're horny Let's yeah. move on to our topic. Well, what about you, Fox? What's your What have you been munching on while you've been worrying away uh, or keeping us worried away here for two weeks? What have I been munching weeks? on? Um, I remember. Uh, the really. doctor Brand that... Flakes. Brand Flakes. Brand Flakes. Okay. I love me some Brand Flakes. Everyone takes the piss out of me. They're like, oh, you're so ancient. You're like, you're like, you're like 70. You're like Brand Flakes. Like, no, mate. Brand Flakes have got so much fiber in them as well. Like, they fill me up forever. And it's banging, and it's like, I love it. Maybe I that's an acquired taste, because the problem is, I have to say, I haven't tried these since I was a kid. But when I was a kid, and to be fair, you are actually eating sugar cereal when you were a kid. Like, mm. to be fair, Brad's Flakes is almost like corporal punishment when you talk about breakfast. <laughs> yeah, as a kid. Like, that's pretty hardcore. You actually like the taste of it. You can actually handle it. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I, I do. I think, it's, I think it tastes good. It fills me up. Fair enough. Brown flakes is the brown bread to the white bread wheat yeah. bix Basically. Yeah. 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 But I like brown bread as well, so... There we go. Now it's all coming out, isn't it? It's weird a few episodes to fucking leak that, hasn't he? What about gran like granary and stuff, like having seeds in your bread? That's good. I agree, it's way better for you if you're gonna eat bread, you should eat that bread. But the problem is if you do, and I'm sure the taste I mentioned, it just tastes terrible, doesn't it? I, so. So. I actually prefer it. Like I genuinely like getting Yeah, get probably just need to eat more sugar on my palate. I get it. It's all yeah. right. All right, am I allowed to move on now, guys? Yeah. You're feeling good still... about that. Okay. Enough. Because see, you forget the dynamic here, Rich. I asked the question. Okay. Okay. I'm here to pick uh, your brain. I don't have anything up here for you to pick. Okay. Okay. Just gamer boy stuff. Just League of Legends knowledge, some knowledge about hockey, and that's about it. Okay. I just thought you might have forgotten how to host at this point, mate. To be honest, so I thought we were helping you out, but ca carry on, carry on. Okay. Well, we'll put that to the test, shall we? Firstly, when did I ever know how to host? Secondly, fuck you. Two, we'll talk about Overwatch well League. Made. For the first for the first topic of today overwatch league was uh it's it's been five years in the making now i i, I was a bit surprised to hear it's been five years it feels like it was only yesterday really they started that started that going on uh, and unsurprisingly it's taken a, a bit of a dip since its inception its first first year was really really good 20 million dollar buy-ins for the franchise slots all the slots went some high names getting involved as well like some of the owners for uh like the, the professional sports teams um, but since then, it, it's it's really fallen off with the with the Activision, uh, sorry, the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. That's kind of throwing a bit of a spanner in the works as well. Um, but at the end of the day, what we're left with, regardless of everything else, is Overwatch League is struggling right now. Overwatch Overwatch Two is on the horizon as well. And I just want to pick your brains and get your takes on why you think Overwatch League is struggling, and maybe a little bit about if you think it can pick back up. If it can, how it can, and, and with the new game coming out. Rich, I'm going to start with you. So, yeah, obviously, this piece that came out recently talking about how the COO or whatever just like arbitrarily added a zero to the price tag. And originally, supposedly, it was originally going to cost two million, or his team advised that. And he's like, nah, fuck it, put a zero on. And that actually became a reality. Obviously, that is kind of a, a good summation of, of the reality of where esports is or where people think it should be versus where it actually is and what its actual value is. But 
inherently it doesn't make the league fail in a sense i mean if anything it's kind of the opposite right because if the teams have to buy in then uh, to, to, to that ludicrous amount of money they're kind of already so invested that they're sort of forced to try and make it work right like if it was a very small buy-in or free to get in you'd probably see all these teams just straight up dipping so the only failure from the sort of financial perspective on that side is the team side because activision get paid although Actually, I think Adam Fitch did an article a while back saying actually half the teams haven't paid their buy-in. But in theory, Activision gets paid. Um, the teams lose a ton of money, so they've lost out on the business side. But that is kind of all separate issues to how successful the league is as like a, sort of an esports that can be viewed by a random pleb, right? So to my mind, it comes down to like a couple of things. I think there was like a fundamental mistake. The first one being that, again, classic esports people just behaved and acted like the game was way bigger than it actually was or, or could be way bigger than it actually ended up being. Like, it's just not that big. And the problem is they, like, all end on this geo um, sort of regional uh, local fan base model in the US, which is weird. Like, sure, America's a huge fucking country. You've got loads of states. Like, holistically, it's coherent. But there's no way... Like, your game would have to be so fucking big for that to actually work, to have fan bases in, like... Atlanta, New York, LA, whatever, and to have big enough fandom in all those areas to justify the kind of money that we're dealing with in terms of player salary and how much you pay to buy and all the rest of it. It was never going to work in a million years. Even if you did that with League of Legends, you do not have enough people. Like if you applied that to League of Legends in America, you do not have enough people to make that model work. Like you think you're going to get in, in Chicago, like that many local people always putting enough money into that individual franchise to help actually meaningfully fund it. Like, of course not. So that was a huge mistake, just assuming the game was way bigger than it actually was. Then from the game itself perspective, to me, Overwatch has always been a game which is way more fun to play than it is to watch. Um, when Overwatch like first came out, I think it's a really good game, by the way, like in a lot of ways. Like I think the team play aspect, the, the ability to, even though it's more difficult than in some other traditional shooters or whatever, to make, also make individual plays and have like tide turning moments. Like the, it, it has a lot of the right ingredients. The problem is that as a game, observable game, it never really works. And they, there was a point in time, I think after season one or season two, where they made like changes to the Observer client to try and make it more watchable. But for those that don't know, basically like the main mode, if you like, in um, or the two main modes in Overwatch, one is like a payload escort thing where basically you're just trying to move an object from A to B. And the other is like a stronghold type thing where someone's like trying to take a point and you're trying to take it back off them and trading or whatever. The problem is in both of these game modes, it encourages everyone to basically be on top of each other in a chaotic mess the whole time. And like visually, it's very fucking difficult to tell what's going on, in my opinion. Very difficult, especially if you don't play or haven't played the game yourself and you don't know what all the interactions are. So I just think that as an observable game, it's very difficult to have mass appeal and it, it for a layman it just looks like a colorful mess of explosions and and colors and lights going on um but yeah and and i mean there were just there were just issues all around in terms of like could can i see a world in which it becomes like a viable esport again or like has its place where it's like no I, me personally no because i don't I think the game would have to change too much fundamentally that it would no longer be Overwatch to have enough appeal to be like become an established esport. So I don't really see that happening. And to my knowledge, Overwatch 2, like a beta came out or open beta or closed beta or whatever. And some people, basically everyone said it's worse than the first one. 
and it, and the people who were complimentary of it were like it's the same as the first one but uh different maps i guess like i don't they almost made it sound like it's it's the same so good news like they did try yeah. to spin it you're right yeah and, and it was like uh <laughs> they also like i remember people were there was a big thing where people going on twitch after because obviously when overwatch 2 is like xqc and people were playing it like twitch flooded in to see like oh what's this look like after one day twitch had overwatch one with more viewers than overwatch two which is a fucking catastrophe so yeah it's very difficult for me to see that turning around and yeah i feel i mean i never believed in it in the start i i always felt that it was completely doom project that people were just yeeting in for god knows god knows why mainly relationships as far as i know with robert craft and the like and trying to shoehorn these people so yeah i i think it's doomed go and give me your opinion on not on the overwatch league and it's it's life well the funny thing obviously is because so few people are actually critical of the overwatch league in fact one of the things i find almost unique about it in esports is beyond the odd industry person who will give some criticism because so many of the industry people themselves are tied in like through other elements of their business to the overwatch league or blizzard it almost actually is fairly unquestioned for how shit a project it's been like the joke is even the way rich phrased it in the question document for this episode wouldn't even be agreed with by anyone in Overwatch League, like the idea that it has failed, they would claim that it hasn't failed. It's in a, they talk that the joke is like an inflation, it's in a transitory period, and that might even be a good thing. It's like they're all the fucking corp from politics. Like the joke is they're going to be like, no, no, Overwatch 2 was always our plan to, you know, transition between the games, blah, blah, blah. And then and that's why they'll also sell it. That's a good thing. That's the same bloody game, apparently. Like it's not some revolutionary new version of the game that's going to change everything. But the reason why that is ridiculous is because that in itself exposes the whole flaw of the Overwatch League. Like as Rich said, it could never have worked from day one like there was no reason logistically by the way they had no game plan at the beginning i know for the people who behind the scenes were working on that project and some of the initial things they said it was going to be like in terms of how the league would be structured or how many teams would be in it or what they would do between seasons like i even like the joke is it's one of those scenarios where i would ask questions of people directly working on the project that they would sort of be like shit he's got a point there we should probably look into that it's like what do you mean you should probably look into like how would you have all the world play the game at once in one league like that should literally be like the first thing someone asks when you present that as an idea, like, but sir, normally leagues are regional. Do you play them in different, like, how are we going to play the whole world? Like, because there's one thing people just act like it's not a big deal, by the way. We're going to have a sport where it's like the Premier League, but with the entire world playing it at once. And then we're going to also, and this was, by the way, for real planned, still make it fair with the home and away thing, because that'll be how your home stands work. Like, it was all nonsense from day one. Like, it was basically like 10 different snake oil salesman lies interwoven to just be, like, super complicated. It was almost like fucking the usual suspects or something. He's just weaving lies, like, in, in fucking real time to, like, go to, oh, that's it. Oh, and what's he doing with that? Oh, maybe that can go somewhere, though. And everything's just making you fucking whiplash all over the place. But if you ever just look at the basic facts of it, like, the buy-in itself was ludicrous like the buy-in was way too much even to this day as in like 20 million if people don't know every other league almost has gone out of their way not to do the 20 million because of how much they charge in fact a detail people forget this is how bad overwatch is and how irrelevant it is in esports people even forget the 20 million was only the first round the second round i heard people were going 30 40 fucking million by the way whoever came in on that second round you are the biggest mark in the history of fucking esports dollar for dollar you cretin you aren't you're like people who did cgs can laugh in your face that's 
not even that big a deal. That's an early four par from them. 40 million for one of these teams, you fucking joke. When the game had already, by the way, smoked its load, like you could already tell it was going to take off. Because then another point Rich makes, which is a very valid one, is they've run into the classic problem every developer's going to have. And it's because developers can only control one side of this. Let's say you make your game really good to play. I agree with Rich, by the way. It's a controversial take, but I've said it the whole time. I think Overwatch is a better game than League of Legends. Like, I've played both games. I think League of Legends has other reasons I'm more interested in. Like, as an esports, way better. It's got all the Koreans. It's got all world play. It's got all, loads of great environmental factors. As a raw game, if I just had to play one game, I'd pick Overwatch over League of Legends. I wouldn't. I like tactical shooters anyway. As Rich says, it actually, even, by the way, for a tactical FPS, that's quite an interesting, unique way of, like, the, t the classes interacting with each other. Like, it's not as hardcore as, like, fucking um, Team Fortress was, which they basically based it off. But at the same time, it's not, like, as, in theory, simplistic as Counter-Strike or Call of Duty. It's somewhere in between the two. But that also, in my opinion, is what fucked it as a game. It's actually a good game to play, but they never sat down and thought, you can tell, before they launched this league... Can you even watch this game? Somehow that was never even either explored or actually, if it was explored, they never get anywhere close to solutions. Like you said there, even, even slight tweaks to how you observe it wasn't enough because the flaw with the game basically was... I, my analogy would be American football. And the reason why I do that's a very astute, shrewd choice of reference. Because if you've never watched American football and you're not from America, the main reason people won't get into it has nothing to do with the sport and the flaws. It's just that it's too complicated. You can't, essentially, the first 10 NFL games you watch, there is no reason beyond maybe it's the Super Bowl that you're watching it. You don't have any clue what is happening. You can't even just watch the ball, by the way. The joke is half of the NFL is understanding what is happening at the line of scrimmage of the people who don't to ever touch the ball so the reason why i use the example of the nfl is if you've ever watched the nfl i've always thought it's the ultimate pleb sport because everyone has all these strong opinions but if we're all honest like it's that it's the sport where we'd all be a fool if some pro took us through it's like frame by frame and asked us what's happening now like you wouldn't know like when they do when they throw the ball literally your brain essentially has to take a pattern of like seven different things at once and almost go like me neo in the matrix to have any clue what's going on it's why they do all the replays and endlessly study it as a sport especially it's a sport you almost can't not properly televise. The genius though is they got an entire culture raised playing it and watching it and all their schools were built into it so they found other ways to hook people in. There's nothing like that in esports unfortunately. So basically it doesn't have any of the spectator value the other esports do. I think as a game basically it's fucked in many ways. I'll even add in one other thing. It was all based actually on, this is why logistically I don't believe it was ever possible. It was also based on things that like, depending on if this is a court of law or a podcast I might say are potentially criminal lies in bad faith. But if it was a podcast, I'd say I just think they were those things. So basically, there was one that stands out in memory because it was so egregious that when I saw no one call this out in the industry, I knew we're fucked on this Overwatch thing. Like, this is just going to be the money sink of all money sinks. And it's when they did, I think it was the Morgan Stanley report, which technically no one here can view unless you paid for it. it cost something like $2,000, I think. They made this financial report from a financial institution about the viability specifically of the Overwatch League trying to sort of give you like a financial expert's like purview of like what would the space be like and you know what would things be worth what would the viewership be and when it came to the viewership part this is genuinely how they calculated it they did something mad like took a broadcast i think it was like of overwatch like maybe the overwatch world cup or something look up the demographics and do some demographic like right look you know like let's say like i don't know 40 percent of people were like 18 to 24 and then genuinely you'd have to read the report to believe it, it beggars belief just took that and was like right so if all people in this demographic watched the overwatch league game 
games, then we'd have like, you know, hundreds of thousands of viewers every game. And it's like that fucking leap that they took there. I remember reading it and just being like, right, anyone who's read this report and is buying in is not doing it in good faith. Like they're doing it themselves thinking they're getting into a Ponzi scheme and they're just trying to get out first because that's the problem I have with it as a project is the idea of doing a franchise export is a very good idea. In fact, even some of the ways they did implement things aren't terrible, actually. The problem is this. They sort of decided, like, on some mad Pygmalion shit, you can just make any sport an eSport and make it the biggest in the world. Whereas that's the part I don't get, Rich. I get it's because it was Blizzard, so they had to pick one of their game titles. But, like, the joke is, if you were doing this as a purely neutral person in eSports, the only games you'd even consider are League of Legends and CSGO. They're the only ones that have any chance for, like, viewership angles, like, growth in the game, established... Like, they're the ones that have, like, at least you got a, you got, like, a fighting chance you could maybe make it in those games. In this game, because it never had viewership, was never a game that was going to be the most played game, and then had a million other factors that were shit. I actually do think, like, to bring it all back, I think it was doomed to fail from the beginning. Like, essentially, I've only been surprised by, like, the directions of the fuck-ups. I've never thought there was going to be some, like, Hail Mary moment where they'd save it and turn it around. As far as I can tell, the real genius of this approach, by the way, this is where you also... It's lucky that it's not the same devs. I guess COD, technically, it's because they got they bought Activision around the same time. But, like, the real success, the only success of the Overwatch League has been doing such a bad job of a franchise league, but getting so many massive people to buy in that at least they're totally amenable to way better franchise leagues like the CDL, like the LEC, like the LCS. So the joke is, as almost like a fucking, like, what do you call it, the Big Brother Syndrome, That's almost that angle's almost helped. It's actually helped the scene sort of mentally get over the idea of franchise. The problem is, is it's probably going to go down as the worst one ever. I don't think it can succeed. I don't think Overwatch 2 matters. I think something that I always find quite interesting when it comes to discussions with the Overwatch League is is um, apologists of, of why it's potentially not been so... Oh, it's a lot. So hot yeah. and, ...and succeeded. Um, I've, I've heard that with the controversies at Activision Blizzard, you know, that, that losing faith in the company, that's contributed to it. Uh, things like COVID, obviously, is a big one we haven't even mentioned. Like, they, they base their whole model on... You know these these regional rivalries and and having teams based in different cities and then really having that like in person experience. By the way, you know, COVID actually even low-key made them look really silly early because at the very beginning of us all going online and all the tournaments and esports being online, every other esport was spiking like a motherfucker. Like, even like CSGO numbers were going through the roof. And then the joke was Overwatch League was the only one early that was, like, losing viewership. And it was like, guys, if they if you've locked your actual fans in their room and they can't do anything but watch the computer, like, at this point, they just don't want to watch your product, guys. Like, come on. Well, this, this, is, this, is, this is it as well. It's like... Okay, I mean... Gamers don't leave their room to go. Like, if 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 you're competitive into competitive gaming, you know, like it's it's sure. Like, if you if you want to visit like an event or something, if if it is you know an event, like it's a thing, like it, it's 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 one of those like you know like, like it's the finals or it's the or, or whatever. That that's cool. People go out, you sell your arenas. That's great. But when it's your regular season game versus you know the eighth place team versus the ninth place team, no one's gonna come. Why would they come? But I read as well in this uh, in this Bloomberg article that. COVID, despite completely ruining the the whole kind of like regionalization and, and and the whole like geographical element to the Overwatch League, that the owners were actually quite thankful for it because 
these live the events money as far as I know, yeah. money. Yep. <laughs> and exactly. then they couldn't do it anymore. By the way, the live event angle is actually the the entire thread that unravels the whole Overwatch League. Because essentially, that's what you've nailed it there, Foxtrot. Here's the problem. Low owners, and I'm talking about super legit people, by the way, people who own like League of Legends orgs that we'd all love to talk to on talk shows and consider them some of the best owners in esports. They all are willing to die on the hill that those home stands, like essentially just hosting your home game where they go to your home stadium and you like you know, potentially you paid for the arena and you get cuts of the merchandising. Essentially trying to make it like real sports. That whole premise, right, was what they their pivot was that they said was going to save Overwatch League, right? Here's the problem. What you've just said there is what they all claim. They all they all pretended publicly that because they, they only did a couple before they had to shut them down, basically. They pretended it was going awesome and we're selling out every time. So it sounded like the model succeeded. But I heard the same thing you said, which is when they couldn't do them because of the online period, they were secretly like going like, thank God for that. At least I'm not bleeding more money into my Overwatch League. Yeah, it became the opposite. It's actually spun the other way because basically I'll give a very a five second version for a fan. Here's why it wasn't what they presented it was. When they said it has sold out, they never told you how many tickets and what the gate was. Sometimes they were taking like it's 5,000 capacity and they just gave 4,000 away. That's what they did is like, or they just did a competition for their fans and let them come. So like they had a loads of scam. Essentially, there's loads of scam ways you can like make it look like you've got all the fans there and stuff. But I've heard also that it was actually like crushing them and that essentially in the short term, they didn't want to do them. I mean, also, I, I, think, uh, I think Fox made like a good general holistic point as well, which is something I've like a drum I've always uh, beaten, which I don't necessarily think is like an objective truth or anything far from it but i've always been of the i mean personally i don't like esports live events like in general like i'm not saying there can't be good ones or ones that i would enjoy or whatever but as someone who's been to like basketball games football games whatever to me the only point in going or the main point in going uh assuming it's not like the team that i'm heavily invested <laughs> in is to see like these great acts of physical like uh, athleticness in person like to see some seven foot monster who isn't relatable to anything i ever see in real life flying through the air and smashing a ball through a hoop like that's amazing to see live the idea that i go to a live event and i see a fucking bigger screen than what i have at home but it's more difficult to see so i'm kind of squinting and i've got a bunch of sweaty nerds next to me saying go g2 i mean fanatic i mean i love both like fuck off like i i to me the best thing about esports is that that you do get 90 percent of the benefit from being at home, being a gamer. Like, that. I mean, I think it's really that simple. Again, I'm not saying there's nothing that can be gained from events or you can't have awesome events. Like, there have been some CSGO events which have had mega crowds and stuff like that, which I'm sure are awesome to be in. But as a general principle, I don't think you should build your business model around the fact that loads of people who are super into gaming are going to want to attend your event in person. Gaming is like an amazing thing in that it brings people from, you know, all realms of life together and so on. But there's also a huge chunk of that demographic who aren't people who are like really into sports, who aren't people who are super extroverted and go to live events and concerts and things where other people are there and they feel unco feel uncomfortable or whatever. They like to be cozy in bed watch or at their PC watching an event. So I think you just yeah cut away immediately a huge chunk of your demographic when you have live events like that or at least to make that the cornerstone of your business model i think is just misguided it's just people like noah winston who are so desperate or were so desperate to make everything as parallel to traditional sports as possible they're like yeah brilliant having a stadium so cool it's like what are you five years old like yeah we all want to own a sports team and have millions of fans but come on be realistic like yeah i, I it, as as thorin said like, it's just it was doomed from the start I think there's also like economic 
issues that come in with the demographic of esports like the, your main audience being like males from i mean as as young as like very young people until probably like 18 to 24 is probably like the the rough like i would say um the main audience as as males as well like they can't afford to fly out to dallas and watch a watch an over league overwatch league game like it's just the whole fact that esports you can do it in your room it's it's very economical for a generation who you know it is not going to splash out like if if you watch any of the the major sports games like you see people of all like loads all ages are there and, and people who have more access to disposable income who actually can afford to go to these kind of events let's move on from the overwatch league though and uh, take a look at counter-strike by the way sorry one one okay. second i just had okay. a banger banger brainstorm just 20 seconds i don't want to follow up why why hasn't there ever been a push for like teams to host their games on like their own channel and have people like subscribe optionally of course subscribe to their own channel and then like give out team related benefits that would be like a way better more economical option where you actually would probably get revenue like i've spent the last couple of months or whatever looking at all these absolute brain dead Meltheads from these like fanatic super fans who've been saying like racist and sexist shit on their discords or whatever but those are the kinds of people who have also been saying they want to buy into this like fanatic nft thing and oh it's really worth it because after three years you get a jersey and actually that's more than the cost of a why has there never been a push for like how about we have our own twitch channels yeah sure you have the main channel as well but there's like fan run or not fan run team run twitch channels where you can subscribe and then maybe get whatever like small benefits surely that's like the online homestand version that you could you know that would be at least as a starting point right that seems to make a lot more sense but yeah anyway sorry just random brainwave no, i feel like that that would probably contradict with with the you know like with riot or with blizzard or something i don't think they'd let that happen like let i suspect that's a block i think it's, isn't that i mean you'll know the switch isn't it in league isn't it riot that says you can't have a monetized twitch channel or something uh, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. I mean, one of the reasons I just said it now as well is because I don't ever remember something like that really being discussed. We were pushing for things which would probably be even more economically viable, which was stuff like we thought, why can't we have our own skins in the game? Like, right, we yes. like which is just, you know. <clears throat> I know for casters, though, back in the day, like until basically until Monty pulled a bunch of shit, that's why they weren't allowed that a YouTube channel. They weren't allowed to, as far as I know, monetize their Twitch, I think. I think, wasn't it famously Crepo or something said that yeah. when he became a analyst, he's actually given up that. He had to stop getting all that money. I'm sure he was making sick fucking I'm, back. Yeah. For all the CLG days and that. You know? I'm not actually sure that applied to teams because we had, like, uh, I mean, we never used it, but we had, like, uh, HUK Twitch channels and stuff which had, like, subscriber buttons and we had, like, a okay. special deal with twitch as well where we would get more money through twitch than like normal channels and stuff so i'm not really sure i mean maybe we were just in breach the whole time who knows but yeah i don't know all right now we can move on to uh counter-strike we've got a hot topic here with simple best player of all time the goat csgo player uh, he might be taking a break he's he's citing the fact that he's kind of just burnt out from all the travel that um being a counter-strike pro has he's He's got a. He doesn't have a place to call home. He wants to sort that out. He wants to get his life in order. As he's as he's getting older, his priorities are changing, and he's discussing uh, potentially taking taking a break to to make that happen. Uh, the question is that I want to pose to you two is: Firstly, do you think he'll go through with that? And secondly, what will that mean for like the peak simple? You know, do you think he'd come back and still be, you know, simple, still be who he is, or or would that actually kind of just 
almost be an end of an era, I guess, for the for someone who is considered the greatest to ever play. I'm going to start with you on that one, Thorin. Um, let me think. The key thing to me is this: like almost any topic with simple, you can't really go off like any patterns of other players because essentially it's a bit like if people know when he was at his heyday, the absolute peak of Faker. Like the reason why he was such a cool player to follow was he wasn't just like the best player in League of Legends and had won the most in League of Legends. It's like he was everything combined. He was like the most transcendent uh, individual at that point, maybe ever in esports. That's why people had to draw comparisons to people not in League of Legends. Like it was like the flashes and fucking the greatest players ever that he was being contrasted with. Simple's like that as well for CSGO. Like Basically, even in CSGO, the things Simple does don't make sense. Like, Simple can have a rival for a year or two years. The joke is, he's had rivals if you go back to, like, 2016 or something. And the joke is, they, their name just changes each year, and he's the only stable one. It's just him versus this guy versus this guy versus this guy versus this guy. And so, like, essentially, he does defy all rules and patterns of CSGO. But even with that said, I think if you look at some of the other all-time great players who, for different reasons, took time out. So two obvious ones, I think I can give an example of they're also both orpers would be device and kenny s now device people might know has literally had times where he had to take even years ago in 2017 he had to take time off because he was ill he basically has like a really extreme sort of like digestive system issue which means that sometimes he's just had times where that's like bubbled up and he's had to take a few games off a few tournaments off at one point in time a few months right i would say if you look i think he came back just as good and essentially he was able to he was somebody who was a very consistent player anyway very good sort of trainer as it were in the sports technology terminology like does all his practice good mindset he came back just as good he got to the top level again and then Kenny S people might not know because here's the problem he didn't officially take breaks when I'm talking about it's more that when he was back in the day where you had to attend the tournament every month what Kenny would do he just wouldn't publicly say this is there was just like six months where he just didn't care so all he did is just play the official game and play the scrims now he's such a brilliant player sometimes he didn't even know like sometimes by the way he was still like the seventh best player in the world when he was doing shit like that so what I would say is like those people and the fact that I, I don't even consider them as talented potentially as simple the, the fact that those people through a mix of either raw talent or being really good at training got back in a good shape and were able to get hit the top that's what makes me think he can do it because he has both those qualities he's incredibly talented and he has an amazing work ethic so bearing in mind this is actually the most understandable reason to ever take a break like your whole country's future potentially is in jeopardy no one knows what's going on you've got all the situation with apparently like he, he doesn't have a house anymore now and he has to find somewhere else he's going to live there and they have to relocate all this jazz like I can get why you take the break so I actually think he might be a rare example of someone who could come back and be as good and that is saying a lot because basically if he leaves now he's leaving as the best player to ever play CSGO so he's got a pretty high bar to get anywhere close to again but I would imagine he'll be at least I don't know if he'll be as good but he'll be very good still I think he'll be he's just a phenomenal player like, I think he is like some Michael Jordan character who could come back and still be as good do you think it's a given that he will take a break all things considered the problem is right here's what's cynical I think if they'd won the major magically he wouldn't be taking a break now and they would transition players they'd bring in the new players and they'd start the next squad and in fact it'd be more like in this interview that he did with HLTV where it's like we've got to stop phase winning the grand slam that's the way you re-motivate yourself you know like take from your enemy what they took from you re-establish yourself as number one do it with a new team the problem is though I think the fact that they lost the major final and he looked a bit shit in it combined with what was already going on in his life and his country and the fact that Na'Vi's changing I mean the, the most alarming thing a lot of fans haven't picked up on is 
He keeps repeatedly messaging. It might not just be this player that's getting changed. Maybe there are multiple. So the problem, I think, is everything combined. I can understand it might be demotivated. You've just played shit in one of the biggest matches of your life. The, your whole country's in a terrible scenario. And then thirdly, you don't even know the certainty of your org or who you're going to have to play with. So I think all factors combined just make it like it's the most convenient time. I think, I can't say, I don't even blame him. It's the most convenient time to step away for a few months and let everything else figure itself out. I'm going to go to you on this one, Rich, as well. Do you think, do you agree with Thorin? Do you think he'll just come back and he's still going to be a beast? He is simple after all, or maybe it'll be a bit of complications if he does take a break. I mean, I think the thing, the question for me isn't if he'll be good or something when he comes back. I think that's as close to a given as you can get with these kind of things. I think it's more of like, will he be the de facto best player in the world again? And I think that is less clear. I think what's interesting is if you look at the literature around like, and the interviews he's given and so on about what's been happening aside from him saying he's taking a break everything is kind of geared even if you just read that interview on hl tv it's kind of like this thing's happening this thing's happening this thing's happening and at the end he's like by the eye i might just take a break like that's honestly how it is like shit thing number one shit thing number two it's like he's lining it up even when he was talking about like boomich who obviously uh he's like oh this guy like made so many mistakes he fucked up like we all told him uh and they just did it anyway so yeah calm as a bitch oh uh, yeah i don't even know if this is this standing's going to be the guy that we play we might have to switch three two three players i mean I don't know. like it all just sounds like he's basically giving prerequisites for why he wants to take a break whereas i think in his head he thought he was just answering questions and then you know one of the other questions is yeah i might take a break to me it's like as Thorin said, I think if you if you're going to take a break and you're simple, now is definitely the time to do it. There's so much uncertainty. There's most likely gonna be more changes coming, which if you had to guess, I would say probably will not be like upgrades across the board. So I would I I'd peace if I was simple, I'd come back. And I, and as I said to sort of answer the question in terms of like the only player I can think of who and I don't even think this is actually correct. I'm trying because Olaf Meister was kind of already on the way down i feel like when he, he took his slip, yeah. yeah when he took his break and that's the only guy who like during that same year people had like regarded as the best player in the world and then he came but his situation was a bit more complicated as well because he obviously had some wrist problems and some yeah. other problems so it's not really quite the same thing and obviously when he came back he wasn't the same but i think with counter strike there are plenty of examples thorin already gave a couple of like how there's not really much reason to think he won't be as good uh and one i'd give which isn't actually taking a break but look at forest and get right they played in 1.6 and then obviously at a certain point in time they just had to make the leap they just had to fully jump over to csgo and it's like oh they're just the, the two best players in the world i guess like that shouldn't if the logic of like taking a break makes you worse holds up that certainly shouldn't be allowed to happen that what a coincidence that the two best players in 1.6 have to literally switch game where there's obviously going to be a ton more variables than just revisiting the same game you were playing before and they were still the the de facto best players so and even someone like rpk obviously not on the same level but rpk just wasn't even playing counter-strike for like a chunk of time and he was on source obviously for a bit and then he just randomly appeared like halfway through csgo's life cycle or to me that's that's actually the weirdest one like how, how is this guy good at counter-strike go like there, there were no indicators for me and again he wasn't like a, a top 10 player or something but it was kind of weird to me that this guy who like again and, and i think the reason for this is because counter-strike as a game even though people will say like that they play fundamentally differently, like 1.6, the way you spray and stuff, like it is different. It's still Counter-Strike. And I do think if you're an all-time great player, you can take breaks and come back 
because if you are good at Counter-Strike, you are good at Counter-Strike. So, I think League would be way harder to put it out. Oh, yeah. If you talk you're off League, I think you'd have a really hard and, time. But a case in point. Yeah, case in point. People do all the time. And the, I remember the, the, the one which really sticks out for me, uh, because he was given so much advice to the contrary, but his ego just ran away with him, was Hybrid. The guy who played support for G2 when they won their first titles before Sven and uh, Mithy came in, he was fine. Like, he was an okay player, but he wasn't, like, some world beater support. And he was frustrated that he wasn't getting offers from other top teams when he got kicked from G2. And his mindset was, oh, I'm just going to take a break then because I refuse to play on like a mid-tier LEC. And it's like, you are not good enough to do that, especially in the context of league. You have to be a transcendent level league player if you're going to do that. And you have to yeah, already have even a... Do if you like Soaz. Like even, yeah. even some of those guys can't get the break anymore. Yeah. yeah, you have to have a fat resume and you have to <laughs> yes. show that when you left the game, you were really good and you better keep your reload as well. This guy just stopped playing the game and went to play like fucking poker for a while, then did like an LFT tweet for next spring. And I was like, are you joking? You? Like, nah. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's just a different, different game. But will he be the best player in the world? That to me is the only interesting thing because he'll, he'll He'll still be mega, but I, I, I don't know. But I would guess yes, if I had to guess. Oh, by the way, one last thing I would say as well is there's another reason that has nothing to do with any of the stuff this year, which is actually a very reasonable reason why you might take a break if you're simple, which is because he's one of the great players who had to chase the major, the world championship, the longest. Like, if people don't know, this guy didn't win one until 2021, and we considered him, like, the best player, like, arguably at the end of 2017, for fuck's sake. So because he had to chase it for so long as the best player, but to try and finally win the biggest tournament, the fact that he did win it late last year makes it obvious, like, this is the time you take your break. Like you don't take the break before you get to your goal, and if you did take the break early, maybe you never do. So once you finally achieve the biggest goal, now and now is an appropriate time also to take a little break and then re up for the sort of second phase of your career potentially. Well, if Simple does take a break, it seems that you guys are pretty confident he'll come back and still be a, an exceptional player. And to be honest, generational talents like that, it's kind of hard to bet against them. And I also do think that part of what makes you a good player is your ability to kind of adapt and, and and like your longevity um some people are flashing the pans and and just have huge huge highs but then just disappear if you guys remember name in in league of legends sure. I think that was 2015 like buddy oh it was like the greatest adc for like one year and then yeah. next year he's gone like straight up now simple doesn't isn't, isn't really like that but and by the way, by the way, just for people who don't know, Simple's 24 years old. Like, if you were cas a casual crazy, yeah. and you'd only heard, like, obviously yeah. you'd have heard his name sporadically over like the last eight, nine years or whatever. And to find if you knew he was 20, like this guy when he was playing on that original Hellraisers team was like fucking 16 or whatever. That's why it seems yep. so crazy. But yeah, he's only well, he's only 24. Nutty. Let's move on to our next topic, talking about some League of Legends off-season moves. The summer split is starting up again soon. Specifically, we want to focus on uh, the LEC. You just mentioned players who uh, take a break and come back and potentially aren't quite as good. Uh, there is a name that has retired and unretired, and he's made his way back onto an LEC team. I'll quickly run over the roster moves, the roster changes, so you guys have some context of what's going down. And then I'm just going to ask you your opinions on them and like your most interesting uh, picks and stuff like that. So G2, Fnatic, SK, XL, and Rogue are staying the same. No changes for those teams, uh, but the other half have got some moves in. Specifically, Astralis with the most. They've got a Jonghoon in support. They actually got rid of Promiscue, which I personally found quite surprising. Xerse is their new jungler. And Vizicharchi is coming in in the top lane, replacing White Knight. 
he he retired a long time ago, played a split in uh, ERLs, and now he's uh, made his way back to LEC. Is that based off of virtue or just because he's Visa Charts? You will have to see, and that's something I'm going to ask you guys, actually. Uh, Mad Lions have replaced their mid laner with Niski, BDS. Adam's gone, Aggressivo is in, and uh, Dote is in the support role. Misfits have put in Irrelevant in top, getting rid of Hirit, and Vitality benching Selfmade, replacing, the, replacing him with Haru and Bo. Looks like they might be sharing, and not really 100% sure on the situation. That will be something that plays out. Um, yeah, so give me, give me your, your impressions on these changes. Uh, and specifically, I want to know what you think is going to be the most kind of surprising one for you and that you weren't expecting to see uh, and who you think is going to be the most impactful to their team. Uh, Rich, hit me up. I mean, so like, I guess the biggest uh, move that from sort of a fan perspective would be self-made, right? Like getting dropped and being replaced by two Koreans. Uh, for me, obviously... To answer your question, this is actually the least surprising because I said this from the start. As soon as this super team was made, I was like, this super team will implode at some point and he'll be the one to go. Um, I mean, people make really light of like that that meme, like the meme of like blaming self-made for everything, you know, and people like showing the gift of like self-made. But really true that for sure. Yeah, yeah no, I was going to say Definitely. like you, yes. the, the reason why is because obviously people are like, oh God, every time anything goes wrong, just blame self-made. It's like, if at this point, if you don't believe that he's not even a little bit of a problem child, that's on you. Like, I can't well, I call him the forgiven of jungle, dude. It's like, at the end of the day, what are the odds that everyone else was the asshole in the room? Yeah. And it's yeah. nine different groups of people. You know what I mean? Like, it's eventually it's going to be you, bro. You're going to zone it, haven't you? Come on. And fans are so <laughs> duped by, like, these interactions on social media of, like, there'll be a rumor of, I don't know, this person got in fisticuffs to this person. And then self-made or tweet, like, question mark, question mark, question mark. And then the other guy being, like to be honest, just a complete tool or spawn and be like, huh, I know, mate, it's so crazy. The things they will lie about us. And then the, then there'll be a Reddit thread saying, ha, see, it wasn't true. Yeah. It's it's like, shut the fuck up. Like, again, yeah. I don't like the expression of like where there's smoke with fire. But when you have one player who's like so constantly linked to negative situations behind the scene, even if you don't have all the details or whatever, like whenever you go into a room, you know, or like whenever you go to a crime scene and there's always the same guy leaving it, like, yeah, you don't know that he's guilty, but come on, like put two and two together. Like this guy is a problem. Um, but yeah, in terms of like their replacements, I think that was an interesting one. Uh, I think Fox, if I'm right, like the thing with Bo and Haru is that Bo's got like a visa issue or something. Like basically there was a, there, there was... A suggestion they might not be able to guarantee that he comes in like immediately and is eligible to play. Whereas so if people they... don't know, Harry was already in the RL, so I'm guessing yeah. he has the European visa, right? Yes, Harry was playing on X7 in the NLC last season and was looking very good. It, I mean, again, the context is a bit of a farmer's league, like whatever, but looks like a good player and he can definitely play. I believe the long term plan is that they want Bo to play, um, which makes sense, but. Yeah, so, but no, for me, the, the, the most interesting one, or the one that I think can go in the most directions is actually Niski. Um, mad for a lot of people's money, disappointed last split. For my money, maybe they, maybe I had them like a slot high. Maybe I had them making the sixth playoff spot. I wasn't sure, but I, I didn't think they'd do much anyway with that roster. And now Niski coming in, to me, really is a question. And I asked uh, Seal, the um, 
the Rocket, not Rocket, the rogue assistant uh, head coach this uh, yesterday on on my other show. I asked him like, do you think this move is enough to make them contenders? And he just un- unequivocally just said yes. He's like, yeah, they'll be contenders because of this move. Now, me personally, I'm not convinced by that at all. I don't think they have done enough. And I think this might be a case of, again, uh, Mad's coaching staff's hubris to think that, oh, we can just do this one singular move and then all, all our perfect plan is going to magically like meld together. I don't see it because I think Niski's a good player. I think he's probably going to be an upgrade. But how do you turn what Mad was last season into being a contender, i.e. has a realistic chance of winning everything by putting Niski in? This isn't some like crazy, you know, simple level talent or something, right? It's like he is a good LEC mid laner. That's it. That's a fair description of him. So no, he's uh, to me, he's not going to take them from seventh or whatever they were to cha- challenging. Um, but again, the reason why it's the most interesting, even if I believe that, is because either he does much better than I expect, in which case that is a really cool storyline and, and interesting, or he doesn't. And again, Mad have to deal with... I think then Mad have to start addressing their coaching hubris because I do think these guys enjoy the smell of their own farts a bit too much. And if this move doesn't change anything tangibly, I think they need a new approach, in my opinion. Because, yeah. And I'll start, by the way, questioning some... or recontextualizing some of their previous decisions which may have gone well for them during the bubble year because, yeah, to me, this this isn't enough. And if you're mad, you needed to do more this offseason. So that has to be justified. For what it's worth, I think adding Niski is a completely different player to what they had before, like with their experience and stuff like that as well. Maybe it gives more structure to their team. Um, and maybe that's what they're hoping for, but we'll have to see what happens. Um, Thorin, tell me about what you think is maybe not more one, one of the more interesting moves and someone that you think... I, I want to hear specifically someone you think might actually kind of like really elevate their team uh, from, yeah, from what they okay. were in spring. Like, here's the one I actually think is like the funny thing is since you said interesting, I think a lot of them are quite interesting. Like I actually think, by the way, the least interesting one are the BDS ones because the problem is even though I don't disagree with either move, by the way, I told you no matter how he plays, that fucking Murtzer guy is not staying on the team. And just if you know how politics works in esports, he was always going to be the guy that got kicked. But okay, like there's one that's an obvious one. Oh sorry, I, he probably will get kicked at the end of the, on Misfits, by the way. But I knew that like the BDS support was never staying either. So the problem is like I don't actually think that changes how good the team is. I actually think most of the other moves are actually very interesting moves. A lot of them make sense. Like, uh, the one that will probably surprise you, Foxtrop, is I actually think Astralis has done a good job. I think these are actually good pickups in light of the fact that I suspect they're an org who do not and will not shell out big money. They're only ever going to stay in that sweet spot of essentially. Their whole gig, as far as I can tell, is are you cheap and do you want to play in LEC? If the answer is yes to both, you can be on Astralis. That's it. So the problem is, though, by the way, there's a lot of people actually won't say yes to the second part if you don't have the money as well. Like, you've got to give me the money or at least a good team. So I think in light of what they were working with, like I actually think Cersei is mad overqualified to be on fucking Astralis. Like, the problem they had was this, and it's always been this case, and if you've ever seen my talk shows, I go right in his face and all his coaches, and I always make them address it, but they are still in denial. They pretend like he can play all styles of jungle. I've only ever seen him play that one fucking style, which is Zeus's style of play. And by the way, it works. He has got something akin to a fucking farming slash, almost like, almost reminds me a bit of Meteos and fucking NA. Like, he's got a style like that. Now, when it works, he's really good at it. He's, he's obviously got, he knows that he's mastered his style. The problem is, 
as far as I can tell, you have to understand that's his style and build the team around that. So bearing in mind in their team already, like the Deirdre guy had a pretty poor split, but whatever, he's a rookie. Maybe he has a little bit of talent. I actually think Kobe is, again, overqualified, totally fine to be there. Vizicacci, you don't expect him to be amazing when he comes back. He's got mad experience. And by the way, of all the carry roles, I think top lane probably the most experienced related since you have to essentially know when to be the bitch and when to actually carry the game, etc. So I actually think if you look at the moves Astralis has made, I think they actually, I don't think they'll be last players, but that way, I think they'll be actually, they'll probably be on the outskirts of bloody playoffs, like probably nick a few wins again as usual. And then the other one I thought was interesting was, like, the Vitality one's hard because the problem is I've only seen the Bo guy play very briefly in fucking China and Haru, obviously most of us know him from years ago when he was like, like, if people don't remember, the joke is the reason why Ambition won fucking MVP of Worlds is because the Haru guy couldn't be the jungler all the time. Like, he only could play, like, a carry early game style. And so everyone just remembers the big games were the ones where they subbed Ambition in. It's not that Ambition was some monster jungler, by the way. He was just a good... He was essentially doing, like, an Smithy style. He was just a very good, experienced brain jungler. Well, the reason why I find the Vitality one not actually as interesting, just funny, is because it looks like Vitality really is run by sort of idiot big industrialists puffing on cigars in a smoky room somewhere, and someone's just going, what's that fucking rogue team get me a Malrang but sir they've got Malrang get me two of them then fuck it like that looks like what they've done they've just ordered like oh the new hype is just getting like Asian junglers who no one really knows and just like put them in your team and maybe it's awesome like I don't really know like the logic because here's my problem it's like how does this fix all the problems from self-made like self-made has tons of problems which like alluded to even the social ones I don't really know how getting a Korean and a Chinese player fixed those you know what I mean like if anything by the way I actually think for Vitality I would have gone like the joke is I might have gone Maybe he just does what Southmade does without being a maniac. Maybe we can work with that. Maybe that, maybe that actually works. But the the one I do think is the best one overall, as you've alluded to, is the Mad Lions one. Because it's just the most obvious one position, instant upgrade. Even just know what you know about Niski. It seems like it almost, put it this way, I would be incredibly shocked if somehow this team can't make playoffs. Like, to me, it's a given they're going to make the playoffs. And I think the reason why, I don't agree with them, I'm sorry with you on that, Rich, but the reason why I get why loads of coaching people are going to think this is the killer move and this team goes to Worlds is because what they're banking on is that it makes both the fucking jungle and support like twice as good again and they're all of a sudden like all LEC and we're all talking about them it's like oh my god are the MVP like essentially they're gambling that Niski not only comes in but that essentially those players just looked bad because they were it was the humanoid to Rika contrast and that was what was costing them if that's true Look, it might be. There's two players. They were both pretty good players before. If that's true, then yes, Mad Lions will be way better. And maybe they can be like the third or fourth best team. I'm a bit more cynical. I like I look at some of those games. Some of the shit they were doing wasn't just because fucking Rika was in the middle. I don't know if I buy that totally. Especially not, by the way, when you've been billed as A, for Ilyoya, you've been billed as a mechanical genius who's making plays all the time. Well, he doesn't control your buttons, motherfucker. Press those buttons. And then if you're Kaiser, you've got the hype as a brain genius. You're supposed to be some fucking like... Those characters in fucking Naruto that are just like the next level ones after always make it fun. Well, then fucking do it again. You take over. Tell your fucking mid what to do. So my problem is Niski can't be the panacea to everything. Like some of that's probably they just had bad splits or it wasn't the right meta for them, etc. So I expect he'll make them better. I do think they'll be like the fourth or fifth best team. I think they'll be in the mix again, which will be fun. Like they should be. They deserve to be there over some of the teams that we had at the last split. But I actually think, like I said, I think maybe the Astralis one's the most interesting one to me because I, that's a team I have no expectations for. I assume they should always be the worst. So anytime you get some half-decent players, and they've done it a couple of times now, I think fair play. So giving giving your opinions here on on the moves and and especially when you say Mad Lions are now going to be a playoff team, 
And seeing they didn't make playoffs in spring, that means someone's going to get bumped out, which oh. leads me to my next question. I, I want to power rankings. Tell me who are going to be the best teams in LEC and who are going to be the worst teams from 10th to first. I've always alternated between Rich and Thorin, so I'm going back to Thorin here, throwing a curveball here. Do who's who's coming in last? Who's coming in first? Give me a power. Ooh, rank. Okay. Because one thing I'll say, by the way, as a quick aside, is the thing that actually shocked me, by the way, is two of the teams, it's Misfits and XL. I cannot believe, because the rumour was that XL potentially goes for like one of these midlands. Maybe they get Nisky, maybe they get Vethio, like maybe they go for a bigger name. Like The fact they've just sat on their team, that's a little bit underwhelming. This actually probably was the time to try and strike with the iron sword and go to number one. And then the other one is going to be Misfits, because I don't know about you, Rich, there was loads of shit behind the scenes that Vethio's not going to be in Misfits anymore. Like I even heard there's a world where he could have been in like Cloud9 or something for this split. Like That sounded to me behind the scenes. Usually when you hear that hype, you don't even have to keep up with the story. It's going to get a done deal someone's going to sign and they're probably already in a bidding war so how he stood in this team amazes me itself so if I have to go the worst I actually think if we look at all these rosters as much as this is going to hurt people's feelings I actually think in theory isn't BDS still the worst aren't they still the worst the problem is like here's the problem I know SK's roster on paper never looks good but somehow they always perform better in the server I feel it's probably still BDS like, I, haven't, I haven't seen these players play yet mate wait let's actually do this interestingly We'll have you both do your, your your power rankings at the same time. So coming in 10th for you, Thorin, is BDS. I think so, yeah. What are you saying to that, Rich? So place team? I really disagree with Thorin on Astralis, and they're my 10th place team. Because the, the, okay. way, the way I see Astralis is like they downgraded top. Like I watched a lot of the ERL's last split, including Bizzacharchi, and he was not good. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't good. Um, and now he's playing on the LEC level where I think he's just going to get further exposed. I don't think White Knight... I wouldn't say I don't think he should have been kicked in the sense that it's not like he was really good. So theoretically, in my opinion, anyone who's not really good is kickable, but he was not the first name I would have kicked. I think he was completely serviceable in the context of their roster. All right. um, I think I have no fucking clue who the support is. And again, I think there is probably an element of random korean who's high elo like I, they, go look at this guy's team history who the that fuck are those teams? Is gonna be real by the way i guarantee yeah. this is the joke about a, yeah. a, all the regions you know everyone just spent during the g2 era four years going on and on about like we don't need imports in our region the joke is all it would have ever took is what just happened by the way if the gorilla move had worked a few years ago this would already be the case like yeah. some teams will always gamble on like because the premise for these players specifically riches these aren't the famous ones the premise goes like this korea is just this crazy black box and anyone could be the next faker and that's what you're all gambling on the joke is we've managed to now if it continues create the same stupid gambling mentality that we're doing with the rls with bloody koreans that no one's heard of like this is so the, by the way spoiler the lpl was ahead of that meta like seven years ago guys yeah i mean the <laughs> the only the only two things like that going with a random high elo korean is probably good for is one because the eu support pool has been pretty poor for for a while sure. um but also koreans um and again, this is a, a point that, that Seal made to me. Like they're they're much better laners at the moment, but that seems to be like the biggest discrepancy. They just understand lane a lot sure. better. And if you're high elo in Korea, where obviously a lot of Chinese players, top Chinese players, also play on that server, then you are probably good at laning if you're playing support. 
So he's probably a good laning support. Does he speak any English? I have no idea. Go look at, as I said, at his team history. Who the fuck are those teams? I never even heard of any of those teams. They're certainly not LCK teams. So I don't see any real logic beyond that where they're like, ah, fuck it. Anyone we get from a career has to be better than, you know, the other options. Um, and the other thing with Astralis is, as I said, so two out of the, the three, to me, are probably not going to hit particularly well and then Xerxes is a massive question mark they could go zero for three on all of these um i agree with what you said by the way about um Xerxes play style and i think having kobe on the team kind of fits that a bit because obviously he plays well, these, together, these, yeah, these sure. weird like hyper scaling picks like he plays Carthus, he plays ivan and you know pairing an ivan player with kobe who's like the late game king of ad carries or whatever right like there's some yeah, synergistic yeah. logic to that um so i, I mean i'm perfectly prepared to accept that this might be a bad take um but if i if i had to guess i see them missing on multiple of these new additions and i i, I don't trust the mid i think the mid is poor um so yeah i i, I say astralis 10th all right so 10th place is bds for thorin and astralis rich so then in ninth place where are you going with this one Dorian? The problem with this is I am essentially gambling that Astralis is better than they were in the past. So I'm actually going to hold off on Astralis on this one. I'm going to actually say, I think out of the other teams, it is SK Gaming. It's, it's ninth place for me. It's fair. And, and Rich, who's your ninth place? Yeah, I've got SK ninth as well. I think despite what Gilead says, this team's just not it. Like this roster's <laughs> just not it. In fact, the player I probably trust the most on this team is Gilead. I don't... The AD carry, miss me with the he's good in scrim shit. Like... That that's applicable if you've played like three stage games, and I'm being told, whoa, whoa, whoa trust me, trust me. He's young, he's nervous. Uh, well, I've seen enough. I've seen enough. So I don't trust him at all. I think Treats has had his moments, but he's he's also not it for me. Genax is not it in top lane, and uh, fucking miss me with Certus. So no, nah, I nah ninth, ninth. Okay, and then in eighth place, who's coming in there? I think this is where I put my Astralis pick. This is your Astralis I mean, pick. Listen, I will say it's a bold pick, but like, here's, here's the other thing. The one part I disagreed with what Rich said on the Astralis one is like, you can think whatever you want about the Yonghun guy. Like I said, about the context of Astralis, like they're actually probably the perfect dog to do this gamble though, mate. Like if he ends up being somehow like mechanically really good, they were never going to get anyone who like you could see with your eyes was really good like that in the RLs. Because like I said, they're just not really in that spot, are they? Like they'd go to a better team, wouldn't they? Like they can't get Targarmus, can they? they like, he's never going to go to their team. So they have to genuinely hope that me I said earlier that they're just reaching in the mystery box of Korea and they're going to pull out a guy who's just a magical wizard. They're just hoping that's oh, going to yeah. they, they should have got two Koreans. I agree. Like, yeah, they're, they're, I agree. They they should... got later as well. Yeah, two, yeah. two dice rolls which could Agreed. both land six is the best Astralis could hope for. So yeah. this is where I've obviously me and Thorin have flipped here. So I've got BDS yeah. in this spot. Um, I think they made two moves that in theory can be upgrades. Uh, I've got a but... question for you. Because the problem with the aggressive guy, if people don't know, is he has a million times either been like initially on LEC rosters or like it was, it was proposed he was going to come onto them. So like, this isn't like some spring pop, right? Yeah. And he was involved in like a lot of different tryouts, which obviously were not successful because you did I not see him. I feel like the I hear his name in the mix, dude. Yeah. So I, I think... I see him in a similar vein to like irrelevant. Like I don't think either of the, I think these guys are like the classic case of top five, six in their role in the ERLs. So people just 
say of everyone in every role that means you should be an LEC but actually Mm. there has to be a breaking point at some point you can't just always uh, you know leapfrog people so I think they are the classic case of you are top you know three four five whatever and you're on the RLs but you will be bottom two three in in the LEC like it it just is what it is so that's how I kind of see that move I think Erdo will be an upgrade over limit because um, well one I thought he had just a decent split last split and also I thought limit was honestly disastrous last split and the thing is even though matty to my mind didn't have like a good split either i do think he was very hamstrung by his support so for me this is matty's last chance like he see he, he better fucking play well this split but there I, are some people who are like players and coaches who do th- still think he is like way better than he showed in lec basically yeah, i mean i think i and i do think that he i i semi subscribe to that in that i do think he was basically inted by his support but at the same time even individually to that he didn't play well like he just didn't but given all the context i think he does deserve the second split this was something i i said as well before that i i hate this narrative that rookies deserve this is something like veteran says all the time so like rookies deserve a minimum of two split it's such a stupid binary black and white uh, way of looking at the game like no given correct context yeah sure absolutely but there could be a million different things that you as an individual have no clue what the fuck's going on you have no idea what the behind the scenes synergies are you have no idea how toxic or otherwise this person is you don't know if they make their teammates better or not like some rookies do not deserve a second split you can't just be beholden to the fact that every rookie oh fuck i guess i'm locked in i guess he just gets to play another no fuck off no but in this situation i do think on balance, I would give Matty the second split. I think there's enough context there from what I can see that he does deserve a second split. So, yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes. The BDSSK and Astralis are quite comfortably for you guys, the bottom three teams in the LEC. Uh, who's going to be making uh, our seventh spot here? This I is where it gets really... tricky. This is where it gets tricky. Yeah, guys. this is really yeah. hard. Uh, from this point onward, like the middle section is all you can yeah. put anyone anywhere. I'm str- okay. I'm 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 gonna go. I'll, I'll actually say this. This is my out there pick. Okay, I'm just double checking that I'm. I'm gonna say misfits, which obviously bear in mind they finished joint third in terms of record last time. I'm actually gonna say misfits. As I said, I think irrelevant is. I mean, I guess he's probably a a, a slight upgrade on Hirit. Like, Hirit did not play well last split. But again, I do not think Irrelevant's going to be a top half of the table level um, top laner. And then the rest is the same team, right? Like, obviously, Mercer's in his second split. So, in theory, maybe he'll play a bit better or whatever. I do think Neon was good last split. Like, absolutely. I thought Zlatan was fine, but massively overrated. Like, if you just go and see the how people voted in oh, the... Oh, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Ridiculous. Like, absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like, he was fine. Like, perfectly adequate rookie split. No more, no less. And obviously, BTO um, popped off in a lot of games. One thing I would say is to sort of ret not not to retcon my previous opinion but I have changed my opinion slightly on on BTO like post playoffs and not not to sort of belittle anything that he did before but that I just sort of maybe put him in the in the top of my tier list you know faster than I should have and by the way that is separate to me thinking he should have been the MVP I still think he should have been the MVP these are two different things but one thing with misfits that I've noticed is I do feel like when they play to VTO which they should do and it happens a lot they don't have enough idea of what they're actually meant to be doing to supplement him that it doesn't work in the way that it should. 
I think that when they all, they basically have two strategies, either they play towards VTO or they don't. And in both scenarios, I don't really think they understand how to actually play the game. VTO will get his because VTO is really good. If you put him in the position to succeed, he will succeed. But I don't think the team know how to succeed with him. So, which is why, by the way, they had so many fucking super late game clusterfucks, which went back and forth and ended up with Neon like carrying late game team fights because he's playing Jinx and he just had a, a trillion uh ad right so yeah I, I just don't think they understand how to play the game properly i just don't it's like either vto carries or option b they lose and option c the other team doesn't close properly and it gets so fucking late that the ad carry carries because ne neon's a good ad carry so yeah i i think um i think they'll get a bit more exposed for their mistakes this split so yeah i'll say misfits i'm actually also going to take misfits for this one Okay. Like, I do okay. think this one's mad tenuous. Like, for example, I think you could go so many ways. Like, this could obviously be XL, could be the Mad Lions team. It could even be Vitality. Maybe it fucks it up even worse and people play even worse. But I think of all of them, like, the most logical one is Misfits. Like, I even, I'll even give you another reason why. Because, mate, look at the fucking hard, heavy lifting Vetio had to do to get them to the position they were in, which was, by the way, an irrelevant playoff team. Like, the... By the way, the odds he does another split like that aren't high, even if you're an all-time great player. Like, that, that was like, a, I, I don't think people get it. It's why it's hard for people, because like as Rich was alluding to there, if you saw him in the playoffs, you don't actually right now put him anywhere near a caps, etc. Because he hasn't got that playoff gear. He hasn't he hasn't figured that part of the game out yet. But the thing is, that does not take away that his summer, his spring split was fucking unreal. That was really one of the best like one-man performances I've ever seen. But I also think that's another reason why, from seeing the playoffs, this is why I also think this team will do worse. One, it's going to be really hard to replicate the same performance. This is like an all-time great split. And then two, this is why I actually think he's fucked, dude. Because one thing I noticed about the playoffs was... It's like people finally figured out what you could do in draft against him. Because I get the vibe with him. Because he isn't on a really good team, he is the one-man carry. He's like those classic examples you get in the NBA where you have an amazing scorer on a bad team. right? Spoiler, the actual tactic that you use, and it works, is not put all the defense on the scorer, shut him down. It's the opposite. You just let the scorer do what he wants. You just shut everyone else down. Well, the thing is, in League of Legends, you can do that. Here's what you do. I think teams did this. You give Vethio one of his champions, you just block all the other fucking picks that they would have in the comp to make it work. As soon as you do that, he's fucked. He can have LeBlanc. What's he going to do if he doesn't have any setup? What's he going to do if he has a jungler that's behind it? You know what I mean? Like, these things work in League. It's why in League, I actually think it's a game not like CSGO. You can't be like Simple and just be the best in the world, not on the best team. Like, to some degree, the team has to help you be the carry. So, I actually think this split, it'll not only be slightly worse than all this to him, just I don't think anyone could do that same split again. And I think, actually, teams have got an idea now, sort of, of how you get, you get misfits to fuck themselves up. And the problem is, they didn't do enough moves. I think they they needed like a big big time top laner to come in if they wanted to change this around so miss it's dropping pretty heavy for both you guys there coming in uh yeah for sure seventh spot like one of the better regular season teams last they also had, let's also add this in as well they had a couple of miracle fucking wins in that last split like wins that like like that one against fucking g2 like they have no business winning that game like g2 gave you like they did the alley-oop on themselves there like so let's be real you probably don't win two or three of those again there's only 18 games in the split you know they, they stole a couple there from sort of like just out with a fire didn't they I think it's fair to say they they overperformed as well, um, purely based off of what we expect from them on paper. Um, anyway, we we talk a lot about misfits in in, in your sixth spot. You, I know you guys said this middle of the pack is going to be kind of kind of chocker. So, uh, who who you guys got coming in here? This yeah, they, I mean again these these three teams uh, are just so hard to order 
Um, and that's one of the reasons, by the way, I ended up putting Misfits seventh because when I look at through these three teams, I don't see any of these three teams being worse than Misfits. I guess the one where you can say is the most volatile is Vitality, but I. So yeah, I'm. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard. Um, I guess it's not really insider info now because someone, uh, Joey, said it on my fucking podcast. I mean, apparently XL look mega in scrims. Again, don't read like too much in, okay. into scrims or whatever, but you know. Really kept uh, same line up too far. But yeah, like the, the, the impression seems to be that they're. I, I, I will say. Oh, I will say Vitality. I'll say. I'll go Vitality for the, for the final playoff spot. Um, I think again, they this is a team, and I don't believe this of the other two teams. They could, of these three teams, actually become a contender. They could, if if the if they synergize well with Haru or Bo, whoever's playing, and everyone else gets their shit together, they could absolutely become a contender. I don't believe that for the other two teams, but I think during the regular season, especially if junglers are subbing in and out, I see them being less consistent than both Excel and Mad. So I'll say Vi Vitality. All right, Vitality for you, Rich. Who are you coming in here, Lauren? Because here's the tough thing is I like I said about the other one with the other one these were all potentially contenders for the misfit spot too. I think any of these three picks is fine. I think it's purely just like whatever like weird predilections you have in the game. Because I can I can as I tried decided between them I can make myself pick and not pick all three. So like with XL for example, XL does actually if you just look historically they're never quite as good as they should be. Like I, that's why I actually do acknowledge I have a slight bias towards the style of how they set the team up. But at the same time. I also do expect them again to slightly be a little bit better than people think. So I think maybe they don't go into this spot. I also think, by the way, this is the split. I know the people have said it for past ones, but this is the real shit or get off the pot for Young Buck. Like, you've built the whole team now, mate. You've had years. You've even gotten this lineup where you kept the same core and you kept the players and you've, you've been allowed to keep Nuke Duck. Like, this is the one. You have to do something this split. Like, the like the real, realistically, I'll just say it like this. you got to go to Worlds this time. If you don't go to Worlds, then what are we doing, you know? Like, are we fucking around spending years building a fifth best team? That doesn't seem like it makes sense. So I'll, I'll believe that Excel maybe has, like, the miracle Dark Horse run. So then it's between Mad Lions and vitality and here's the problem part of me really feels tempted to take mad lions because i actually like i said i think they're going to oversell the narrative that it was just the rika thing which by the way is hilarious because the very coaching staff of mad lions on shores and on twitter did their best to downplay the idea it was rika and tried to make it one of those it's his first split things again so it's funny how people will do that when it's expedient basically but i expect actually that they won't necessarily be the monster transformation most people think the crazy thing is this i like how Rich said it, I think Vitality is insanely volatile. Like, I think for real, the Haru move only does one of two things. They either become, for real, a contender with Fnatic and Rogue at the top of the league and go to Worlds, or they might actually be, like we're saying here, the sixth best team, barely make playoffs and maybe be irrelevant completely and even worse than last split. So I think I'll take Vitality. Fuck it. I'll say it's Vitality in this one. The real, the right. reason, here's the problem, right? The reason why it's hard to take the Vitality one is because, like I said, they actually have more upside than the other two teams. Like, I can't see Mad Lions being as good as I think Mad Vitality could be. And it is so hard as well. I just, it hurts my soul to say Alfari and Perks are going to be the uh -huh. sixth best team in the LEC. That doesn't even seem like it makes sense now. But I guess I'll have to say it because here's the problem. When people have, like, potential super teams, show me something, mate. You know what I mean? Don't just, I can't just keep living off the hype for years. You've got to show me something. Because there's another thing. Mate, their playoffs, they banked their whole split that the playoffs would turn around and be great, but it wasn't. It wasn't way better. Like, they could have lost the XL series easily. And by the way, I, I know I, when I 
uh, sort of riffed on him all season, basically. But could Alfari have been worse at team fighting last season? It was a joke. It was so absurd. So he better... He either had, like, a one-off, like, terrible split, which everyone gets one in my books. Like, that's perfectly fine. And maybe he is just, like, mega all the way through. Because his laning was still there to a large extent last split. Or he actually just cannot team fight, or something happened to him in North America. So he needs to have like it, this is more on him than Perks, in my opinion. Like he needs to get his shit together because even though Perks wasn't like you know a top two, three mid or whatever last split, he was actually decent in the regular season. And you know yeah, yeah. that if Perks has a decent individual playing level, you know that he's giving you so much beyond that. Sure. So this is really this this split. Obviously, what happens to the jungler is whatever. But this Alfari needs to step the fuck up, in my opinion. Oh, by the way, one other thing that's weird, because, I mean, this is more for other talks, but I'll just throw it out there as well. The other thing that's crazy is there's two things seemed guaranteed when this off-season, mid-season began. As soon as LEC finished, right, there was two behind-the-scenes moves that were going to happen no matter what, and they went like this. One is Vethio's going to a better team, and two, Razork's out of Fnatic. I don't know how, by the way. That's what's weird. It is what's crazy. I actually genuinely get the vibe. Fnatic actually has totally calmed down, and they haven't overreacted to what happened in Spring's playoffs, because initially, the vibe was, that you could see. You could tell even players themselves were sort of like, there was some friction there or something. They, they're going to run it back, apparently. I'm very shocked at that. Like, even from his tweets, dude, he, like, immediately began all the tweets that were, like, the sort of, like, sorry, um, oh, what am I doing? Like, it's like, anytime they do that, by the way, like, some Mardi cut, you know they're getting fucking kicked or they're going to kick themselves or bench themselves. So I'm actually amazed they made it with the real lineup to this split. I'm glad they did, though, because even though I don't think the Razor, I don't think it really worked. When you have a lineup like that, I'm fine with running a lineup like that back, dude. Like, that can work out many different ways. Yeah, and the amount of shit that, obviously, the famous one is that stupid tweet that that fan wrote about, this is why Fnatic is not as good as G2. But, like, the, yes. the idea that that anyone had the opinion before that team did oh, what they did. Because like, their, their, their team's way better on paper. Like, be best off-season ever. Off season. Yeah, yeah, of course. Best off-season they ever had, like, at the time. So, That's yeah. a bit in it, I know. The idea you're going to complain about that. They give yeah. you all the players for fuck's sake. Yeah. So with Vitality not even making the playoffs this split, that to me, it sounds no, crazy. No, no, the six. We have the six spot. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, on the six spot. So they're just in. They're just in. Scraping into the playoffs, sorry. Um, there might be a world where they don't, though. I think there's a world where it's not impossible they don't. I think what's interesting as well is like, you know, this would be where I would say, yeah, they might struggle in the regular season, but they'll scrape in the playoffs and that's when they'll kick it. I mean, that's exactly what happened last split and they didn't. They sucked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were crapping the playoffs. Like, so easily could have knocked them out there. So I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that one plays out, honestly. And if they can up, up there, up their issues and, and, and do some damage in the playoffs because I would I would like to see that team go to Worlds but oh mate imagine how amazing it would be if for real the battle for Worlds is Rogue, Fnatic, G2 and Vitality all yeah. at full strength that would be fucking amazing I would love yeah. that absolutely um, so then fifth place who have we got here coming in halfway through uh, we, who have we got left here we've got G2 we've got Fnatic sounds like it's Mad Lions based on what we said before right yeah, yeah. so Mad Lions for both of you yeah I've got Mad here um, again it's between Mad and XL obviously and I think that I just say I, I don't know. I just think that in the second split of these five being together, I think XL, as I said, will just be more consistent than Vitality and Mad. That's it. I don't think, see like a big skill discrepancy between any of these teams. I think if you go player for player, it's very close. I think Arp, I think Finn actually had a decent split last split. He got a couple of third place votes, which 
yeah, I, I mean, not outrageous. Armut has been a weak spot on Vitality. Even when they were winning their titles, he was a weak spot, in my opinion. I think he is actually just there out of virtue that he's a nice, bubbly guy, and they won titles with him. Um, El Yoyo is a very good jungler, but Marcoon's also a bit, yeah, also a decent jungler. Um, I think Niski's a bit better than than Nuke Duck. And then based on last split, you'd have to say that Patrick and Mickey X performed better than Unforgiven and Kaiser, even though Unforgiven had a decent rookie season. Kaiser disappointed compared to what his old level was. And Mickey, I, I was wrong about Mickey. I thought that Mickey would not... I mean, I still don't think that the change was justified because I actually think Advian was good as well. And it's sad that he's not on an LEC team. But I thought Mickey's level would not be what it was last season. And I think Mickey was very good last season. I think he was probably a top three support, to be honest, by the end of it. So, yeah, uh, I, I just give them the slight edge on a consistency basis. Yeah, basically, like I alluded to it earlier, I always think, look, it's, I might be proven wrong, and if I am, I'll totally own it. But I've always thought, like, the XL teams are slightly better, actually, than the paper names look like. Because let's be real, the org hasn't done a great job of getting big names. So they never come in with the hype of, like, oh, look at this guy. It's more like, hmm, this interesting move. Let's see how Young Buck uses him, or I could see how that could work. And I'll also say this as well. As much as they've had all those splits where they didn't make the playoffs, they're not the team like a BDS where they just look absolutely shit for half a split. They always look like they have an identity and they sort of know what it's why, by the way, I haven't given up on the idea Young Buck's a really good coach. I think he's just working. The problem is now he's down at like the fucking level you're at where you're at like the mid-table. You're not working with the big boys anymore. So I actually think in some ways, like they, they are a quality side. I think actually you do see progression from the players. I think Marcoon gets better split on split on split. It's gradual, but it continues. Like, you look, he gradually he adds like one champion to his pool. He gets slightly better in the playoffs. So I will say, like I said, it does all have to build to this one. We can't blow years on this project. But I agree also on the Mickey X one no one could have known this because actually i think people always forget this i'll tell you what's going to go down in history just on paper as the most overrated bot lane to ever play league of legends how about fucking hans sama and mickey x when they were in misfits that year because i'll tell you what on paper every fan would go that sounds incredible it wasn't and secondly those players just as far as i can tell just just silent like that's actually like an example of like fucking empty calories if you look at their stats and whatever they're doing they're not doing any of that shit like there's a reason why some of the great teams of all time it's communication that's the skill but i will say this you would think cosmic x has this vibe of like he's sort of quiet and a bit introverted like you would think he shouldn't be a plug and play dude that split was the most perfect plug and play example of like we need an engaged support here's mickey x mm -hmm. oh this is what i do just like it's fucking it's perfectly fit together no one could have predicted how well that would go like i thought oh, it might be a bit of an upgrade it was mega it actually was exactly what the doctor ordered and as as i said they, they were close to beating vitality i would have liked to have seen yeah. them in that series next i think that would have been a fun one so after xl comes next i think they're a quality side i think the good thing about them is i don't think they have any bad players now actually i'm sort of with you on the thin one i don't i do think there's better players for this position but he, he did all right. He did fine enough. The problem I have with their side is this. In the same way as, like, I give a lot of credit to, like, the cohesion of the team and the identity, the big problem I have with them as a squad is I don't think they have a single mega big hitter. Like, essentially, Mickey X probably roll for rolls the best player on their team. Like, they don't have the Hillisang. The, they don't have the player that can just take over a whole game and win you a series. That's the one problem I have. So, as a result, you'll notice, I even said I actually thought Vitality maybe is a higher ceiling, though. Like, I, the problem with XL is, like, just making Worlds would be the success for them, in my opinion. But just, just on that point, by the way, uh, Thorin, I thought it was really interesting, again, uh, talking to Joey yesterday. This was the first time, the first split that I've heard him since he was at XL saying, 
we're making worlds like this the goal is we're we're going to go to worlds to be fair to them all the previous splits it's always been like well we're, we're looking to build obviously we hope to make playoffs blah, blah blah this is the first split he said that so he's actually like signed his name to this this contract essentially that you think they should be going after now like it, it is kind of worlds or bust so yeah i mean i said last time i was like you have to make playoffs this split like after all these changes whatever you have to make playoffs yeah they scraped in and it does kind of feel like kind of a half win because they weren't really a factor in playoffs but to be fair if you know if this was the game plan all along and he makes it work then then fair play it shows a, a lot of foresight so yeah we'll see I think that's one of the the biggest benefits of of making playoffs after so long is like, you know, it's not just for you to say, oh, we made playoffs. You know, we're not just a, an org that's been here since the beginning of franchising who's never made it into the postseason. It, it's a huge message to players coming into summer split where Worlds is on the line. It's like, yeah, guys, we can make playoffs. You know, you you know you can achieve at this point because you just did it, and so now you take the next step to achieving, which is obviously trying to finish uh, in that top three and and. And make it to world. Speaking of that top three, though, uh, we've got we've got Rogi two and Fnatic left. Who's coming in hot on the on your third spot? Here's what's great. Oh, here we go. It's good. I, I, I've, no, I see if Rich is on the same page. No, let Rich go okay, first. Okay, 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 okay. We can go to. We can go to. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say G two third. Oh, it's ruined it because that's what I'm going to take. Uh, really? I'm also okay. going to take. I'm going to need some explanation. Here, I think they're going to be third for real. I mean, they could. So again. Don't get me wrong; they could definitely win the the split. Um, there's a couple of things here, and uh, to be honest, some of it is like the uh, yeah the, the the god of the gaps because I'm not like completely queued up on exactly how the patches are coming and how it's affecting certain things. But I think Caps is going to be affected by the ability to massively solo uh make solo plays from mid lane because obviously of the damage nerfs that have been coming in and how assassins have been affected um the bot lane is still a big question mark again flacked uh a target mass was very good all split i i felt um and also probably you know one of the better players at msi as well um for the most part um flax was someone i had massive doubts about last season and thought he wasn't lec worthy at all I now do believe that he is LEC worthy, but that does not mean that he's a really good AD carry. And I don't know how much production they're going to get out of him when all is said and done. Now, you can obviously just easily counter that and say, well, it was enough to win last split, wasn't it? It's like, yeah, sure, great. But we're projecting into the future based on what we know now and the things that have changed subsequently. As I said, the meta has clearly taken a massive shift and it's not going to be um on caps in the same way that it could have been on caps in spring right so yeah i i'm actually going to go g2 third because i think ultimately they have too many underwhelming players i think flak is decent but underwhelming i think broken blade and some people won't want to hear this i think broken blade is decent but underwhelming i don't think he's that good um i think yankos and caps are still very talented but i think they're the two players who are going to be most heavily affected by these patch changes so yeah we'll we'll see but um I think, I I think another again, yeah. I, I'll 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 save my my comments on Rogan Fnatic for now, but uh, yeah, I got G two third. The sad, sad thing is, it'd be more sexy if only one of us picked it, but whatever, I'll go with it. So the problem is, I just basically don't believe in the team that won the spring split. Like, I don't think that team exists. 
I think that would existed for a period of time, and maybe if you want to be generous, it bled into a few games at MSI. That's about it, though. Like, basically, that team existed for, what, three weeks or something, four weeks. And the problem I have is if you go player by player, so start with the player that got them a championship, perhaps. As you say, not only is the meta sort of going away from that, but quite frankly, when I saw it at MSI... Dude, they can only, as far as I can tell, like it's one thing if you play Europeans, they're slightly worse competition, but when they were playing the best teams in the world, they only win when Caps is on those carry picks and can do Caps things. Like, as soon as he wasn't the main win condition, they looked very average. Like, dude, it killed my soul when they didn't even draft for him in, like, game one against T1. It was like, bloody hell, have scrims been going that badly that you're trying some, like, meta-genius comp? Like, that, that... So, basically, as a team, I think, unfortunately, Caps, like, props them up, and I don't think he's going to be capable of doing and, it as and- how, how shit, by the way, did he look in playoffs before, and the team looked, before they started putting him on those yeah. picks? They looked rubbish. Yeah. They looked like an also-ran. So to me, unfortunately, they haven't been able to do what you'd want to do, which is have the initial way of winning, then expand it out and have like versatility. I don't think they've shown that. I'm, I'm with you on the Broken Blade one, by the way. Holy fuck. This is how you know this guy once played in TSM. That'll get you a lot of bias fans. And then secondly, he's just a well-loved character. Because, mate, the way he played at MSI, that deserves the sort of fucking scrutiny people used to give to Perks at Worlds. And like, you know when people shit the bed in? Actually, Larson and fucking Rogue. People go right up these guys' ass when they don't play as well. This guy was a bummer. MSI. People literally found once you ban on, he can't even play Gwen and he doesn't have any of the counters. Like, this was nothing. And this was a tournament, let me stress, because you only have the four major regions. Fucking top lane was wide open at this tournament. One, the fucking bin guy was there for the taking for anyone. And as you saw from Zeus, he didn't have the greatest final himself, mate. This guy should have been murking people at this tournament. This should have been his time to shine and pop off. And he was mega average. I thought it was mega underwhelming. So bearing in mind, he was, by the way, in theory, like the best player in the spring before the playoffs. Like, that ain't a good look. And then the last detail to me is the flackered one. He was never good. What are we doing at this point in time? What do words mean if he's very good? If he's world-class, who the fuck isn't? By the way, if Flackard's world-class, about 50 Chinese people are, and 30 of them you've never even seen fucking play in the LPL, you morons. They can't be that good. Just watch with your eyes. He's a bang-average ADC, who, as far as I can tell, his best qualities are, A, he fucking understands that, which, by the way, is not a minor quality. He understands he is bang-average and does not attempt to play aggressively. And secondly, and this is the biggest detail of all, he seems to just fit the G2 culture, and I think these two factors will keep him his job, but it's why I do think that they will always be held back a little bit as a squad. Like, put it this way, and this will tilt the fuck out of some people. I think he's like a fucking poor man's copy, so stick that in your fucking, whatever, your French coffee and drink it. Whatever. I don't give a fuck, mate. Spanish, I guess, in this case. Like, I don't think he's that good a player, mate. He's all right. And if, he, and if they win, I'll always accept people that like, you must do your job. But he's no star player. He's not a fucking L LEC player, is he? So the problem is, unless Broken Blade plays really well, they've got one bloody lane, and that's caps at this point in time. So I think this team, I know it sounds like haterism, but I don't think they can do all the shit they did in the spring. If they can again, then fair play. I'll give massive props to whatever player pops off in the coaching staff again. We'll get a massive amount of credit. Because there's one thing I will say. That's why I hate when people retcon based on results only. If you talk to fans now, suddenly G2 were all G2 and these were all the best signs. Fans always agreed with them. Meanwhile, Fnatic just sort of dicked around in the off-season and made a bad team. Like, the way they're talking about fucking Fnatic's lineup, Rich, you'd think there were, was like Man U fans complaining about Man U or something. Like, you've got the best players you can. Man U have shit players. Man U did make all the bad signings. Like, this is mental. So, I don't buy that retcon at all. I never thought G2 was that great anyway. Fair play that they proved me wrong, but do it again. Sure, do it twice.
I do think they were marked, markedly a different team the second half of playoffs and then their first week of MSI. And but the rest, and can can I go back to that? Or will they will they default to what they were like um, for the for, for the majority, honestly, of that spring split? So it's between Rogue and Fnatic then, guys. Who's going to be the champion of the LEC in summer? Who's going to be that runner-up? Mm. Can I do this one first? Yeah, yeah, the problem yeah, is we've agreed on all of them so far. So the problem is, I actually suspect yeah. we might agree again. So I'll go first on this one. Basically, here's the problem, right? If I eat the razor cake. <laughs> I'm not an yeah. idiot. I don't do it at the beginning. Don't be a fool. So I'm not going to start out with it again. Like, I'm still... My mouth's all bleeding from the fucking playoffs, and I remember the way that that went, that fucking 3 won the finals. It's mega underwhelming. So obviously, I'm going to eat it once it gets really tasty and looks awesome again. They've prepared a new cake. So they, they, you, when you start out the season, I've got to take fucking Fnatic as my number one. Like, so I'm taking Rogue to be number two. The reason why is, I do still think they have all the pieces to be number one. I think they look fucking amazing. I think the squad's actually mega. It's just that, like... If you look at how they play, I think I, essentially this sort of bleeds into the last topic we're gonna have. But I'll just say it as this is the, to cap it off. Basically, the problem is they what they are gonna do, in my opinion, the regular split reminds me of what they used to do with all the past lineups. In the same way as they always used to just lose to G two in the big game. You know, every every LEC split, there's two favourites for the title and they play the big game. Now, obviously, that was just G two Fnatic for years and years, but in the past, it was G two H two K or it was Alliance versus Fnatic. There's always that one game, right? And even though it's a bit of a hackneyed sports narrative, it's sort of true. That does kind of tell you where do the teams themselves see themselves, who really thinks they're the better one. Well, the problem is, in the same way as they always used to lose to G2. I get the, vo the vibe they will lose to Fnatic in those head-to-head -head games, and that that still is, on some level, sort of their final boss. They're, if they're going to win, they have to overcome everyone. So I'm, I'm saying Rogue is second, and obviously, spoiler, that means Fnatic's number one for me. So, so Fnatic I'm, one, I'm going... Second. Yeah, I'm going with the opposite angle, actually, which okay. is not only do hey. I have Rogue, then Fnatic, but there, so there's a caveat which completely changes how the top three are jigs, but I think... And obviously, this could easily just not happen. I think Rogue win if Fnatic take out G2, which I'm predicting they will. Because I think I do somewhat buy into the mental stuff. But I think it's also important context that Rogue got the ultimate mental win over Fnatic. They reverse fucking swept them. So I actually think that if the final is Rogue Fnatic, Rogue wins. If the final is Rogue G2... G2 wins. Even if G2 have been like somehow underwhelming on their path to getting there, I still think G2 win. And if it's G2 Fnatic, I think Fnatic will get G2 this time. Which might seem odd because obviously they got fucking decimated last time. So that again, this is predicated on me predicting a lot of different things will happen. I can't believe that Razork's going to be as uh, mal-coordinated as he was with his team this time around. I am expecting better performances in key moments from Humanoid. I think Humanoid was uncharacteristically bad in that series. I mean, the whole weirdness with, like, TF and everything. Like, to me, that's not the kind of scenario that's going to happen twice. Like, I do think a couple of those series were, like, complete anomalies. So, yeah, I'm predicting G2 will play Fnatic in semis. Rogue will dodge them because they'll be, they'll be the best regular season team, again, I would guess. So they'll play uh, whoever, Mad or XL or someone. And then the final will be 
uh, Rogue versus the the winner of Fnatic G2, but I think Fnatic will win it and then Rogue will take it. So yeah, I'm going Rogue first, Fnatic second. So that's kind of matchup dependent. For Razor you, cake uh, me. Oh, again, yeah. again, Razor cake me again. What, what, to touch on what you said though, like some of those reasons at the end are the reason I have Fnatic number one. It's like basically, I think I still think the roster is too good. It's too good to be a third place team. First, now oh, that's insane. Like to, in my opinion, if you are Fnatic, I know this sounds harsh, but if you don't win, it's on you. There's no one else to give fucking look in the mirror, mate. Like, you had the players to do it. In fact, you have amazing players. You have players on your team, legitimately. Like, three of these motherfuckers should be competing for the MVP every split, just amongst each other. Like, that's the sort of bevy of talents you've got. So, in my opinion, like, I think it that, like you will never see series like that where Hillasang and fucking Humanoid both in their tits off. Like they were doing it like almost like the fucking terminology of like running it down in solo queue. It was like offensive how bad yeah. some of these hits were. So the idea of both of them in a whole best of five again, it doesn't happen. And the th and here's the thing about their team. This is why I think if you're the other teams, it's so dangerous. If they even just have one of those players do that, they can still win. They can still beat you in the series, mate. Like the ceiling on this team is crazy. Whereas the problem with the Rogue one is, I feel like Rogue is like 98% there they're really good because they still have some kind of a mental block at some point the problem i've had here's the issue i've followed too many players like that in esports and the problem is because you yourself can't really know what they're working on and if they're making progress in that regard you are just it's a complete black box environment you can never know because the problem is if they ever fix it astralis and csgo is probably the best example ever if they ever fix it and you don't choke anymore you just win everything at that point by the way like you're unstoppable but until the moment you fix it it continues to plague you it's why it's the toughest problem in sports in my opinion is like performance i wouldn't even say anxiety i'd just say issues performance issues in the big moment if that's the thing that cripples you it's it's, it's bigger than esports in all sports that happens to people there's people there's people who just it, it always gets them in that moment doesn't it so that's uh, that's the the power rankings for for LEC done. Kind of agreeing, which is pretty pretty fair. But uh, outside of the top two and and those bottom bottom three spots, uh, I think I think it's kind of like it's gonna it's gonna be really interesting seeing XL as high as fourth. Like it makes sense because I don't, wouldn't put anyone above them, but it just seems strange looking at that. So, yeah, I do know, think we could, we could easily both be totally wrong because oh, yeah. we've definitely gone for some edgy oh, ones. And sure. unfortunately, we sort of aligned on them. So there wasn't even the, the counter contrast of like, oh, but this team should like... So uh, we could absolutely be totally off on this in massive yeah. ways, in massive ways. Between seventh and fourth, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Misfits, Vitality, Mad Lions and XL, assuming Misfits don't repeat their performance yeah, yeah. They this have. looks like a great split though i have to say it looks very yeah, good yeah. i think it looks like a very competitive yeah. split to be honest and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch out because obviously it's being a summer split means we we're not sure who's going to be representing eu at worlds uh and yeah that's that's going to be exciting one more thing to talk about today because we've been going on how long have we been talking for rich coming up 129 129 okay let's keep this one short-ish but let yeah it's 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 lec week i'm excited to see it start up again it's fanatic versus rogue gonna be playing against each other and of course we have to do a who wins because that's just what we do around here now have you been doing any of these while i've been gone like is there like a record no, no we did any bets no okay so uh, is this a fresh slate or is i think so yeah i think we're resetting right yeah 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 i think it's a reset zero okay, zero cool. well with zero zero if you're not aware of what who wins does essentially rich is going to pick a team to win Doran's going to pick a team to win, and whoever gets it right gets a point. And the first two, five? How many points is it until you have to do a forfeit? 
Was it a best of five or something? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Three, two, yeah, yeah. Three, it's first to three, best of five. Oh, best of three. Okay, yeah. sorry. First to three, best of five. Uh, you have, you get to make the other person do a forfeit. Last time round, it was Rich having to order his 5.5 fucking K TSM jersey, which eventually did arrive. I haven't actually yeah. seen it, by the way. I, I've you not been on the first episode, episodes, I think. But... I think you were on the last one, didn't you? Yeah, well, no, yeah, I had I had it on a couple of episodes, but maybe Fox, maybe Fox wasn't there I on the. It was what you watched in I think you were yeah, on the last one was. with it, if I yeah, remember correctly. Yeah. Okay, it was the last one. Either way, that was the previous fourth bit. So uh, this time around, we'll, yeah, I'm sure the guys will think of something as they get closer to it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's Fnatic versus Rogue. Quite simple. This one, who's gonna who's gonna take this in uh, in in the recoming of LEC in that summer split? Start with you, Rich. Who've you got? Who's your money on? So yeah, I have Rogue. I mean, if this was a playoff game, even though I kind of painted the scenario where I think one wins over the other, uh, I would be more hesitant. But I think early season, regular season, this is just what Rogue do. And the thing is, again, in terms of like how the patch is changing, I think, I mean, his name in solo queue was always, uh, what was it? Kite, kiting master what was what was comp's name in solo queue i can't remember kite king or whatever because the way he does play team fights is very much that like classic style of auto spacing as he's moving backwards in fights i think the patch benefits rogue not just in that way but also in that larson is a great control mage player much more so than he is like an assassin player so i think out of the box the meta is going to suit them like a little bit better but ultimately we don't know we have no fucking idea what picks these people have prepared and it's very coin flippy a regular season bo1 in, in week one because basically one team might have a much better read on the meta than the other so we can't really know but minus me knowing that information i go with the proactive jungler i go with the jungler that i know is going to be the least nervous because again they've had some time off they haven't played in a while it's the first game it's a big game right so I think that Maorang doesn't give a flying fuck and this guy's going to pick something aggressive and play aggressive. And I think when you have a setup like that, the proactive jungler wins. So yeah, I'm going for Rogue. Uh, Rogue for Rich. So that means you're taking Fnatic. Thorin, why, why have you chosen Fnatic? I still think the like raw ceiling of Fnatic, like I said earlier, is higher. Especially, especially the impact. Like, here's the difference: even though Rogue has amazing individual players, they also generally, beyond maybe like Malran carry games, they don't really ever have like one man hard carry games. Like they play as a team essentially. Whereas I actually think Fnatic, maybe it's caused the roster never fully clicked. They're the most dangerous when players just pop off and take over the whole game, and they have some amazing players to do it. And then the second reason I'll shade in is a narrative reason, which goes like this. Because, crucially, it wasn't Fnatic that actually stopped G2. I actually think the impetus is way bigger if you're Fnatic. You have to win this game. This is just the one where, for you, it's like if, if everyone remembers all the splits that G2 used to win with the super team. Fnatic used to be, like, playing in those bloody BO1 regular season games like it was the World Finals or something. Like, they were battling because it was all about trying to get respect back and show, like, we can still, you know, don't give up on us because we never beat them in the playoffs, guys. Like, we're going to beat them this time. Like, look, we came back with that one big win, a big fucking one-off BO1. So I think for Fnatic, this should be like a massive fucking game for you. You want to prove that you were right to keep the roster, that they aren't better than you because of playoffs, blah, blah, blah. We weren't, we're not just going to hint like we did. So the difference for Rogue is, I think for now, for Rogue, it's not the end of the world if they lose this game. So I think they're just, they're not going to be as sort of like fever pitch to the very beginning of this split. I could easily see Fnatic just tripping over and winning this. Either way, I think it'll be a good game because both, I like to think of early season games as being closer to like scrim games than... Like as the split progresses, teams get more form about them. They get more structure and, and a bit more discipline. Um, and I think 
both of these squads have solo queue elements to them. I think Maorang is like the epitome of solo queue jungling and humanoids for Fnatic. In them. And Hillasang, obviously, as well. Like, they're just... They, 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 they have that kind of, like... They play on stage like it's a scrim. And I like I think those those kind of talents shine through in, in the early season. That's my opinion. I think it's gonna be a fun one to watch. Rich is taking rogue, Thorin is taking Fnatic. I By mean, the way, that... Thorin made a quite good holistic point, I think, in general, which is like if you're a rogue or a mad, and basically let's be real, you guys have no fucking fans. There's no pressure. Like there's so much less pressure. Having like a G2 or Fnatic oh. who like yeah. bitch and complain of write twit longers about every little tiny uh, what they perceive to be an indiscretion. Like there is a legitimate pressure to that. So yeah, I uh, if if uh if you lose Go home and it's just. Dude, drug oh. fans didn't even hit on them for just getting bored out in the final. They didn't even really care, did they? They were like, whatever, at least we beat Fnatic. That was like the vibe, <laughs> was. That was the vibe check. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you put house money every time you take the ring. <laughs> 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 All right. Is there anything else you guys want to add to the comments before we sign off for tonight? You all said your piece. It's been nice being back, sitting here and listening to you guys go off on one for for an hour and a half. It's uh, I've definitely missed it. But it's an absolute belter down here today. We're at 23 degrees and it's it's almost 5 p.m. I hope it's just as nice for you guys, so you guys can sit inside and look at the sun from from within your house outside your window. So you'll next see Fox in about September, probably. I'd imagine. Yeah, Somewhere. something around that time, give or take a few days. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time.